We as theater artists are the people that are privileged enough to like stand in front of someone else, share a story with them, and allow them to see where they came from and where they might go. Welcome to Beyond the Fourth Wall. In this podcast, we're investigating how the skills we cultivate as theater artists transfer beyond our industry. I'm Lindy. And I'm Joseph. Each week, I'll be chatting with creatives from many different industries. And every couple of episodes, I'll hop in with Lindy for a conversation connecting the dots and applying what we learn to our everyday lives. We're so glad you're here. Now get ready to go Beyond the Fourth Wall. Hey y'all, it's Joseph with a new bonus episode of Beyond the Fourth Wall. This week, we're bringing back an amazing conversation with Billy Bustamante, a jack of all trades and a master of all of them. We'll hear about his time as a Broadway performer, director, choreographer, photographer, and educator. And he'll be joining the Lex as a teaching artist for our free summer virtual workshop this upcoming week as part of our artist development program. Enjoy our look back at Creative Conversations with Billy Bustamante. Bustamante, it is so good to see you. Thank you so much for being with us on Creative Conversations. Oh, it is my pleasure. It's so good to see your face, hear your voice. Oh my goodness. This is going to be so much fun. I want to let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Of course, we go way back to a production of West Side Story at the Walnut Street Theater in Philadelphia, where we met and became great friends. But let's go back even a little bit further and tell us about how you came to love the theater? Oh gosh. Well, you know, I grew up in a family of performers. Growing up as a child, I never considered myself a performer. You know, my parents met in a band. Both of my sisters performed and were very artistic and extroverted. Um, And I was the middle child introvert. Um, With that said, I ended up, you know, riding my sister's coattails into school plays and the like, you know, dancing in Filipino cultural groups that our parents threw us in. So I always kind of, you know, tortured myself through those things. But then when I was about 13, I saw my first musical live on stage. It was a dinner theater production of Joseph in my hometown. And I completely fell in love. Like I had never experienced something like that before. That kind of opened my eyes to the art form. And then, you know, like school plays and community theater kind of like brought me into college to study it. And here I am now. Oh, my goodness. What I love about your journey as an artist and the way you describe yourself is as a theater artist. And it's because you are amazing and you do it all, Billy Bustamante. You truly do it all. Broadway performer, director, choreographer, teacher, photographer, I mean, you are creative in so many different ways. I just kind of want to talk a little bit about how you have managed to navigate so many different areas of the industry and not sort of sticking to one thing. Was it because you were just curious and you wanted to try new things or, or how did that come about that you, you were like, I want to I wanna dabble here, dabble there, do a little of everything? And it's funny. This is not information I had as I was 
coming of age as an artist. But when I think back on my path, I'm realizing how the obstacles in my way allowed me to carve my own path into different avenues of creativity. I went to college studying musical theater performance and realized very quickly that the opportunities for a young Asian American male in the musical theater performance part of the industry are very limited. So I knew that I loved the theater. I knew that I wanted to be involved in it in as many ways as I could. And I knew if I wanted that to be the case, it could not only be on stage. So I started to flex my directing muscles in college. I, I dabbled in choreography. I learned how to dance in college. And you know, I, I developed the visual artist side of myself. Being able to flex my muscles in those different ways in the college environment, in that safe space, allowed me to really flex my muscles in those similar ways in the professional world. It brings up another question for me, which is as you were trying on all the different hats and dabbling in the directing and the choreography and developing your incredible visual eye, how did one influence the other? What did you learn as you were directing that influenced you as a performer? What did you learn as a performer that maybe influenced your photography and visual art? How did they sort of cross over? Oh, I love that question. And again, this is something I didn't know then. But when I look back at myself, I realized that I was practicing the same thing in different ways. I was practicing connecting with people and telling stories. Sometimes that meant connecting with a person through the camera and clarifying the story they wanted to tell through their headshot. Sometimes that meant telling a story through other people's words and music as I was being the vessel for that story on stage. Sometimes that meant getting into a rehearsal room with actors and clarifying the story we collectively wanted to tell. Again, I didn't realize it at the time, but we are all, as theater artists, and I keep using that term a lot, as theater artists, we're all practicing that same skill. Like how do we make connections with people and tell stories? Mm, I love that telling stories is the through line of all of that. And it just opens up a whole other question and conversation I'd love to dive into, which is the importance of storytelling. To your mind, I mean, you were talking about the connection, which of course is so huge, but can you talk a little bit about your views on the power of storytelling for us as individual humans, but also for our collective humanity? Ooh. You are letting me have it with the questions today. <laughs> a, I think practicing your art in any medium can be a revolutionary act. So when I think of theater artists as storytellers, the people who are entrusted with preserving and progressing the human condition, what it means to be a human, not just an artist, but a human. We as theater artists are the people that are privileged enough to like stand in front of someone else, share a story with them, and allow them to see where they came from and where they might be, or like where they might go. To me, that seems like a really important undertaking. And when I think about that idea in relation to where the world is at now, A, of course, given the current pandemic situation, we're all separated. We're all forced deeper into our individual silos. And there are ways in which social media helps and hurts that, you know? The stories that we consume on screens, which is basically our one connection to the outside world now, have now been curated to the stories we want to tell ourselves. It becomes our job as theater artists to make sure that we can challenge what other people are consuming. We can let people think they're getting candy, but we end up feeding them vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. I love that. There's something that theater can uniquely do that can like 
open people's hearts, open people's minds in a way, uh, to new ideas in a way that no other medium can. To me, that's what makes what we do really important, especially now. I could not agree more. I am a live theater gal. That is just my home. It's my heart. And I do think you're so right that what we do is so unique. And the other mediums are amazing. We love the art that's made on film and for television. But there is something so magical about this collective human experience, which of course we can't have right now. But can you talk a little bit about, just because I think it's good to keep it in our mind for when we can get back together in a theater again, it's going to happen one of these days. What is it? to your mind that makes the shared experience of theater so powerful? A, I'm right there with you. I too am a live theater person. You know, there was that article that shared a study about how when people enter into a theater, like people's heartbeats synchronize. And I think that speaks to the power of the live shared experience. You know, when we think of the, the origins of our species, that is how we evolved from people stumbling around on four legs to walking upright on two legs to the people we are now. The idea of people gathering around a fire in a circle telling a story is what allowed us to build on the information we learned. When I think of now the importance of sharing stories, not just with people on stage, but with people surrounding us in an audience, the idea that a bunch of Different, unique people can come to a theater, sit down next to each other. People who would ordinarily never cross paths and share an experience that can teach us how we're all the same and open our minds to, to new ideas and allow us to be receptive of those new ideas because we can sit next to someone who's being receptive in the same way. Mm. To me, that's a really powerful thing and a necessary thing, especially in this moment. Like, we need to be reminded that we are better when we're, we can see someone else change their mind and someone else change their mind and teach that how we can change our minds. Beautifully, beautifully said. I want to go back to your journey for just a minute. And we've talked about how you've crossed into multiple genres as a storyteller. In that evolution, you said you, you feel like you look back now on the student version of Billy in university and everything that you can kind of see now that maybe you couldn't see then. I know we have a lot of people listening to this podcast who are in that student stage of life, who are our future theater makers, our future theater artists, what kind of advice would you share with them about honing the skills, being open to different pathways, some of the things maybe you, you see and recognize now that you wish you had seen then? Well, the first and most tangible thing I would say is that music skills pays the bills. So if you want to be a musical theater artist, Learn that music theory. I, that, that's a quotable quote. <laughs> music skills pay the bills. I love that. On a broader scale, the thing I wish I knew more concretely was a lesson that our shared mentor, Jen Waldman, taught me. Like, the idea that compare leads to despair and the idea that we are all on our own unique individual path. If you're looking to your right or your left and comparing what you have or who you are to other people, there's no way you can focus forward and move forward. For me, one of the biggest uh, breakthroughs I had as a young artist was that moment when our mentor, Jen, allowed me or gave me the tools to release the need to look to my right and my left and compare myself to others 
and stay on my own path. Like once that recalibration was made, moving forward on that path became so much easier. That's like the biggest thing I would say is like celebrate, trust, and take ownership of the path that you're on and the path you want to be on and worry less about what other people might have, even if it's what you think you want. I want to flip that on its head a little bit to maybe some folks listening who are not in the student phase of life anymore. One of the things we say at the Lex a lot is we use the word lifelong student. And one of the things that we have, we've talked a lot about here on Creative Conversations is for those people who maybe don't consider themselves to be a creative kind of person, or it's not a skill that they like to tap into regularly, or maybe there's a little fear around it. Um, It's been interesting, some of our previous guests talking about the journey from feeling not so creative to embracing many different definitions of creativity. What kinds of advice would you have for maybe those listeners who are like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. He's got so many different ways to tell stories, so many different creative paths. How do I even begin? Where do I even start? Oh, that's such a good question. And it's honestly a question that we are asking. I mentioned our mentor, Jen. I I teach with her now. And um, it's something we ask of a lot of our students who are working theater professionals. You know, in a world where your platform for creativity no longer exists, how can you continue being creative? And I think that's a great question rephrase of the question you asked. So what we've been noodling on is that the idea of creativity is not in sole ownership of the artistic community. Even if you don't call yourself an artist, creativity is something every human is capable of. When you invited me onto this conversation, I um, quickly went to Google and was like, what's the definition of creativity? (laughs) Which I'm sure everyone has done. Um, But one of the things I, of the many definitions I found one of the things I love, I really gravitated to was the idea that creativity is defined as making connections between two different ideas. That study went on to say that it is something that all of our brains are always doing already. We are constantly trying to form those connections, bridge those gaps. And that is something that everyone is capable of doing. So to me, I think the first step is recognizing that you are actually creative. <laughs> um, so like once that recalibration is made, it becomes easier to figure out how. That to me seems like the first step. Yes, I love that because that feels very actionable. (laughs) If I have to repeat it in my mirror three times a day, I am creative. (laughs) Step one, and I think you're so right. I think it's so much about connecting those dots and finding the through lines and that creativity, while we, it's sort of a daily practice for us as artists, people may not even realize how it's a daily practice. For them, it's just in the reframe of how we look at it. And I feel like now, especially with everything the world is going through and finding our new ways forward, we are being called to rely on our creativity more than ever. So I'm just curious, you know, uh, step one, declaring that yes, indeed, we are creative. And then step two, we've been using the word practice a lot in creative conversations and in the workshops we've been doing with the Lex Creative at Home Online. Do you have a creative practice? Do you have advice for a creative practice? I think the great thing about a creative practice, and I love that phrase, I'm obsessed with that term, um, is that it's something that can look different for everyone. I don't have a creative practice that looks the same. I don't have a regimen that looks the same. But for me, the act of practicing my craft 
every day is the practice. And when I think about, I heard you talk about, okay, step one, recognize your creative. Step two, what, what in the world? Yeah. Um, to me, I, I find the times when I can most, when I can be most effectively creative is when I problem solve. Everyone has a new problem that needs to be solved in their lives right now. And the idea of creativity, being able to bridge those gaps, find the solutions and the connections, that is something that I think everyone is capable of doing. So whenever someone asks me about what the next step is, once you've recognized your ability, is find that problem you need to solve. Yes, 100%, 100%. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to swing back one last time to all of your incredible accomplishments. I mean, wow, you are, you're so inspiring and, and prolific as a theater artist in so many ways. I'm just curious, was there a moment, whether as Broadway performer, I mean, King and I, Miss Saigon, my goodness, you have been in some powerhouse musicals on Broadway. You have directed and choreographed regionally. You teach Broadway artists. You photograph Broadway artists. Is there a, is there a moment that you felt like, yep, right place, right time, doing the right thing? I know I've been lucky enough to experience that several times where I know I'm doing exactly what I've been put on this earth to do and I'm and I'm doing it well. For me the first time I truly felt that as a performer was doing a new musical at the public theater uh, called Here Lies Love. It was a David Byrne musical. It's an immersive disco musical based on the life of Imelda Marcos. So it was the first time I was in a performing experience that checked off every single box I would ever have wanted to check off. I was working with a cast of Filipinos telling a Filipino story. I was working with creatives I really looked up to like Alex Timbers, and Annie B. Parson, David Byrne. Um, and I was working in an organization that I considered to be my Broadway. This was before I made my Broadway debut, but growing up, I'd never really considered Broadway to be the goal. I just wanted to do good work with people I, I admired. And when I thought of where that would be, it had always been the public theater because they had always been the people doing the kind of work I loved and that inspired me. So to be able to do a show like Here Lies Love in a place like the public really felt like a, a full circle, I have arrived moment. <laughs> um, and also I, like, I felt useful in all the things I was doing. I was in the ensemble, but covering the two male leads. So I felt like I was being tested and challenged, but also being able to do what was asked of me which also always feels good. As a director, I've had, I've had that feeling more. My next answer to that would be like, that's the, that's the new feeling that I'm always chasing. You know, knowing that not every experience will be that, but every experience can lead to that. That's the, that's the feeling that I'm chasing, to know that I'm useful and doing what I'm meant to do. Oh, I love that phrase, the feeling that I'm chasing because it's never ending, because it's, it's, it's never ending. Even once you experience that, that very satisfying feeling, it's like you want it again and again and again. And, and I love what you said about doing great work with great people, because that can happen anywhere. It doesn't have to be on a Broadway stage. That can happen anywhere. You mentioned Here Lies Love and uh, the, the importance of the meaning of working with the Filipino theatrical community. Tell us a little bit about the other project of yours that means so much to you, Broadway Barcada. Oh, it's, oh, the Barcada. So Broadway Barcada was birthed, gosh, in 2009 when 
another musical, off-Broadway musical based on the life of Imelda Marcos uh, was how it was happening off-Broadway and uh, again, an entire, entirely Filipino cast. And we looked around in the 12 of us on stage and realized this was the first time we'd ever experienced that. And at that same time, we were in tech getting the show together and two massive typhoons hit the Philippines right at the same time. And none of us had the bandwidth or time to do to help in any way. So once the show closed, we ended up getting a huge benefit together. And that was the birth of Broadway Barcada, which now has grown from 12 Filipino theater artists to a community of over 200 Filipino theater artists. And it's, it's become a place um, for all of us to find our family, find our community. You know, we all uh, are immigrants, not just to New York City, but immigrants feel like immigrants to the industry. You know, we all come to New York trying to chase our dream and um, find our way to becoming successful theater artists, whatever that means for us. And a big part of the Filipino culture is, is family-centric, is community-centric. So I know I personally got to New York hungry for that community. So when we find that, it's something that kind of elevates us all together. It's the first community I've been a part of that celebrates each other's successes as, as much as it, as it challenges everyone else to improve. So in that way, it's been a lifesaver and a, and a lifeboat for me in this city many times. Um, and it's something we hear a lot from our community members as well. Like it's, it's the thing that can keep us going, give us opportunities to flex our muscles when the industry will not allow us to do that. And sometimes just a chance to like gather and eat with friends, which is also very important. Very important. Yes, absolutely. It's all about that community and the human relationships and staying connected and telling those stories. I mean, it really loops all the way back to what we started this conversation about, which is that beautiful power of storytelling through human connection and how important it is to all of us. Wow, Billy, it is always so inspiring to chat with you. I cannot thank you enough for joining us today on Creative Conversations. I can't wait for more Creative Conversations with you. We're going to have to have you back sometime. This was just too much fun. Where can people find out more about you and your amazing work? If you want to follow me, you can follow me on the Instagram. I'm at Billy, the letter B, creative. So Billy B, creative. You can also find me on my website, BillyBustamante.com. Um, and if you're interested in the photography side of things, I have BillyBPhotography.com. Well, everyone will be running to go and check out your work. I know that. Billy, thank you so much. You take care up in New York City, and we will see you soon. Thank you, Lindy. This has been such a blast. You're amazing. I hope you enjoyed our look back at Creative Conversations with Billy Bustamante and the many hats he wears as a theater artist. Here at the Lex, we're so excited to put back on our producing hat as we return to the stage with Concert with the Stars Summer Edition, July 31st at the Lexington Opera House. For more information about tickets, visit LexingtonTheaterCompany.org. To find out more about the Lexington Theatre Company, visit our website, lexingtontheatrecompany.org, and follow us on social media at the Lex Theatre Co.